So I've decided that every time I preach, I'm now going to bring a chair. And if you misbehave, this is where you sit. Uh, I brought this to the traditional service last week when I preached, and Don Hardy was there, and so I warned him. He's here today, so I thought I'd better bring it, so just in case he gets out of line a little bit. But uh, Good morning, church. I want to welcome everyone here today. Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Derek, and I'm one of the pastors here at Zion, and we're so glad that you guys are joining us here this morning. Uh, sorry, guys, I, I, I wore a suit today. Uh, I didn't want to, but my grandma told me to, and because it's confirmation, and you do what she says. So uh, I'm wearing that, but uh, it's okay. You know, I, I told myself, literally, this is how my brain works. I told myself this morning, I was like, well, you can be Bruce Wayne, you know, Batman's alter ego, you know, if billionaires shopped at Kohl's, then, you know, you would, it would be a perfect costume. All right, that's literally what I said to myself this morning when I woke up, so uh, welcome to my brain and how that works. Uh, but I did want to begin today uh, by offering a sincere moment of gratitude. Uh, it truly has been a pleasure uh, to serve this church, this congregation, and this community over the past few years. It'll be seven years in December, uh, and I just want to thank you. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> But I do want to thank you guys for the opportunity to allow me to lead, serve, and grow uh, for, the, for the council willing to, to send me off to seminary to pray for me and to encourage me to do that. And for the call last week, uh, thank you guys for your vote. Thank you guys for all of that. It really does mean a lot to me. I feel very blessed to be here, and so it's very honoring. So thank you guys. Uh, but when we begin today, I want to talk about uh, something that I've been personally experiencing a lot, and if you've been to church in the park, you probably have seen this, uh, but you know how there's things that you become fixated on? And I, this definitely happens to me, especially when I'm like uh, reading scripture and stuff like that, uh, where everywhere I look, everywhere I read, I start to see themes. I start to, stuff starts to pop out at you. It's kind of like, you know, when you buy a new car and you, you, you pick it out on the lot. Well, I've never bought a new car, but I'm assuming uh, that when you, you pick out a car and you see it and you're like, oh, man, this is such a unique uh, make and model and color. Like, this is perfect. And you haven't seen any like it before. But then the second you start driving it, you see it everywhere. That's kind of how I view scripture sometimes is once I see something that I notice, sometimes it's just like I see it everywhere. And that's kind of how I've been. That's kind of what's been happening to me a lot lately. And some of the ones I've had in the past have been like, this idea of liberation, the idea that God is trying to, from out all of eternity, back from the garden all the way until now, God is all about trying to liberate us from something, whether it be liberating us from Egypt, from uh, Babylonian captivity, whether it be in the New Testament, uh, from sin. Like, it feels like that is, that is the, the, the heart of God that he is constantly trying to liberate us from it. So when in Babylonian captivity in Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14, so right after that really famous verse a lot of people know, uh, it says this, Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart and let if you seek me with all your heart, will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all of the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I'll bring you back to the place from which I have sent you into exile. And then in the New, the New Testament, Romans 8, 2, 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. It feels like God has this heart for just setting us free from things, that anything that holds us captive, anything that holds us uh, in our personal lives, uh, it may not even be in Scripture. It could be, it could be anything you're dealing with. If it has a hold on you, I, I feel like God has a heart to, to free you from that. And then one of my most recent ones is this idea of God with us. I think from the, from the second, from the garden, I believe that God is inching us closer and closer to becoming back to wholeness with him. Uh, whether it be he wants to come and speak to us through a burning bush, whether he wants to be in the Ark of the Covenant with us, whether with Jesus, uh, which is Emmanuel, God with us, so he sent his son on earth to live with us, to the Holy Spirit where he's inside of us. I see this pattern of God just continually trying to get closer and closer to humanity. Even if we keep pulling farther and farther away, God keeps trying to fill that gap. And so those are just, those are just some of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And so the one, as you guys may know, is this idea of Jesus plus nothing. I think we've uh, definitely covered this a lot, uh, and I hope at this point, it's not to the point of being annoying. I know we talk about it each week, but the reason we do is because the principle is so important that it doesn't matter what, like even confirmation that we're going to be doing at the next service, all of that stuff doesn't matter. Jesus is what matters. Church tradition is great, but Jesus is first. Jesus is enough. And so we, we do keep, we keep hitting it, but it's because it's so important, we want that to, we want that to just to be stuck in your heads that you guys can't get it to, you can't get it to leave. And so this Jesus plus nothing, I know it's, it, hopefully it sounds familiar. Hopefully you know it's not just us talking about the, the new age uh, verbiage because it's right there in scripture. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. It's very clear. It's there. So this seems pretty simple, but though as Christians, we often like to attach a lot of restrictions, personal preferences, and expectations to our faith, whether it be our theology, tithing, church staff expectations, uh, liturgy, what coffee we serve, church facilities, our staff, like all of that. We sometimes like to put our own expectations and stuff on top of the gospel, on top of Jesus. And like I said, this, this summer I went through a whole list, and it was a long list, and I, and I went through as fast as I can. But why I specifically want to talk about it today for a very, very important reason. So just hang in there with me. If this feels like we're repeating, it is. It's just to get you right in the mindset for what I'm about to talk about. And so the, all these things, those lists of things I did, and even the list this summer in the park, all of these things can be both good and bad. Just because we do, just because there is church tradition, just because there is things we do as, as Christians, as Lutherans, as people that go to Zion, that's not bad. It's bad when it starts to stand in the way of the gospel. It starts to be bad when you can't back it up by scripture or if you start to put those things above scripture. Because what it does is it leads us to a warped view of the gospel. And that's a problem. That's a scary thought when we start to warp the gospel the way we want it, based on our own desires and expectations. And so this is, that, that's been weighing on my heart a lot, and I'm not quite sure why I, I think about it a lot. Uh, I don't know if it's just the season we're in at Zion or what it might be, but it, it literally is, I think about it probably way too much. It's like, what are, we, what are we doing that gets in the way 
of the gospel. So, uh, I do believe it's important for the season that we're in because today, Zion is experiencing two important events. And no, it's not Halloween. I know <laughs> many of you, Halloween's probably pretty important. But no, today we have our confirmation service at the next service. And then it's also, as uh, Megan put it, it is also Reformation Sunday. And I'm actually pretty excited for confirmation this year. Uh, this is one of the biggest classes that I've had since taking over in 2015. Uh, we had 20 people uh, eligible, and we have 18 walking this morning. And so I'm so excited for that. But yeah, you guys can clap for them if you want. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'm proud of each and every one of them because it's, it's not easy to put up with me for three years. So uh, you got to give the kids a little bit of credit for that. Uh, but... Anyway, that, that kind of got me thinking of my own uh, background story, my own faith story. And so at an early age, they, uh, they stuck me in a, in a dress and had me baptized, and I think I have a picture of it. Oh, no, 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 not that one, not that dress. Whoops, wrong dress, wrong dress. Uh, there. <laughs> Staff said I needed to do that. <laughs> I hated that picture growing up. <sighs> Things you do for your cousins. But anyway, yeah, that threw me off a little bit, and I knew it was coming. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I did grow up in the church. I grew up acolyting, reading scripture, like going up into being a scripture reader. Uh, I served at church events. I did all of that. And I, I wasn't perfect. 8 a.m. was uh, pretty hard for me as a young person. Uh, and let's be real, it's still pretty hard for me as not as young of a person. Uh, and so this is my testimony, and I feel very fortunate about that because I have some really wonderful memories associated with, with church. Going up front for the children's message, uh, being handed like a half stick of gum by your grandma during the service, or when I would like lean forward during the sermon, my mom would lightly scratch my back as the sermon was going. Like I have vivid memories of that. That's a way better story than I normally tell about her ripping me out of the service for playing Ninja Turtles in the aisle. So I think she'll appreciate that. She's coming to the next service, so she might appreciate that story better. But going to camp, uh, going on uh, like trips with the youth, like there were so many things. I have so many wonderful memories associated with church. However, this does bring me to my confirmation experience, which does not bring about those same fond memories in fact, it brings about the opposite. I dreaded going to confirmation. And actually, the only good memory I have from my time in confirmation was that my mom got me the WWE Royal Rumble for my 13th birthday. It was a pay-per-view event, which never happened in my household. Like, never uh, were we, did we do stuff like that. And it was easily my best birthday present ever, like, even now. Like, it, it's, it was the best gift that my mom could have got me. And so you're probably wondering, what does that have to do with uh, confirmation? But I had homework due that next day, that next Monday. And so I would watch them, you know, body slamming each other and hitting each other with chairs. And then in the commercials, I was like hurrying through my confirmation homework to get it done. Uh, because I had a very uh, old school uh, pastor. He was, very, he was very tough and I was not going to be late on my homework even if I did have wrestling to watch, like, it, I was going to get it done. And, you know, even though he was strict, he did care. Like, he, he still was very caring and loving. The problem was is that it was all about book knowledge. 
It was all about homework and memorization. And I love growing and learning. I've never had an issue with it. I've never had an issue with, with hard work. But uh, as a student in confirmation, I felt like a real opportunity was missed. Instead of confirmation igniting my faith, it almost extinguished it. And so at a time when I needed spiritual formation in my life, at a time when I was craving a connection with God and needed help navigating the tough areas of life, I felt like I was met with stuff, with stuff to do. And I don't believe that's experiencing God. I don't think that's, I don't believe that's how that, how that has to happen. And I'm still haunted by, by the chair, which is why I brought this, because for my confirmation, this is how we did it. In front of everyone, you were sat down by yourself, individually up there in front of everyone, and he would just, I had 180 Bible verses I had to have memorized, and he would just randomly pick one out. So he's like, repeat uh, Romans 4, 6, and I'd have to say it in front of the entire church. And, you know, back then... It was terrifying. Like, I don't know, it's still terrifying. And obviously, I don't do confirmation like that today. That's not, that's not how, I, how I do it. But at the time, it felt brutal. At the time, I could not have felt farther away from God in that moment. And my question is this. Was that effective? And yes, many of you could probably argue, well, you're a pastor here today, so it must have worked. But I can tell you, confirmation had very little to do with it. And I love confirmation. I'm all about it. Uh, But my point is this, is that it's easy for something that was meant for good to be turned into something harmful. And this is why I'm so excited to discuss the Reformation this morning, because that's kind of what we're going to be talking about and why being a Lutheran is important to me. But this has not always been the case, uh, and I think I may have mentioned this before, but uh, when I first decided to go to seminary, I was really worried that, you know, am I actually Lutheran? You know, you know, I grew, I, you know I've been Lutheran since day one, since literally they put that, that first, the second dress on me. Uh, I've been a Lutheran, and so going to seminary, I was super worried that, like, am I actually, like, is my theology, is the way I see scripture, is that going to actually be the truth? And the short answer is yes, it, it turned out, thankfully, that that is kind of my viewpoint. But the better answer is that seminary opened, up, opened me up to something greater. This idea of being spiritually formed, this idea that it's more than just book knowledge, that God is pursuing a personal connection with each and every one of us, and that we are being called to be a part of his family, the church, and that this per- perspective has really changed the whole way that I view my life, how I view church, that we need to let God transform our hearts. We need to let God craft us and shape us into the people that he, he's turning us into. To shape our hearts, our attitudes, our whole life. Like I said, I love confirmation. I love seminary. And I love church. However, I love God more. And I think it's very easy to lose sight of that fact. And so this is why I've enjoyed reflecting on the Reformation and the reminder that, that the Reformation serves. And so there's probably a lot of people in the room who, there's probably a lot of you in the room that have no idea what this term Reformation even means. And that's okay, uh, because I'm going to explain it to you a little bit. Maybe most of you have probably heard of Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, uh, who this denomination is named after, not built after, but named after, 
Uh, but I'm not sure you probably know the whole story. You probably don't under, many of you maybe do. Maybe you did read that biography or <laughs> watch, watch a movie that came out in 2003 about him. Maybe you did. Uh, but many of you probably don't have the, the full picture. And I don't plan to touch on everything, but instead I'm going to give you kind of an overview. So here's kind of a brief synopsis of what the Reformation was all about. Luther began to notice that, the, that church tradition and leadership was starting to sway outside of his understanding of Scripture. Basically, that the church was taking authority from God and then was using that authority and was wielding it at the expense of other people. He believed that the church had strayed off path, that it was no longer living into God's call, that they they were either obsessed with power and authority or... They were being consumed by the need for money to build their empire, which in the end is also a grab for power and authority. And at some point, Luther felt he couldn't remain silent anymore. He felt a call on his life to take a stand, to remind the church of scripture, to remind the church that it has a specific role to play and that uh, that they were not currently living up to that responsibility. And this was, this was dangerous for Luther because at the time, like, you could be killed for this. Like, that's how much power the church had. And so this was very risky. This was very, like, to stand up against the church was, was scary. It was not something you would want to do. He actually had some high-level uh, people protecting him, which is kind of what allowed him to do it. And to be honest with you, he wasn't trying to start this, this idea of a reformation. He wasn't trying to leave the church. He wanted to remind the church. He wanted to show them that there is, a, there is a way of doing this that God told us, that God ordained, and we are expected to follow it. And so his, his whole job was to remind them and to reveal to them the dangers, because here's, here's what they were doing, if, the easiest way to do it. They believed that church tradition and doctrine and all of that, the things that make up a church, was equivalent to Scripture that they had equal authority. And what Luther was saying is, no, nothing has more authority than the word of God. Nothing has more authority than God himself. And so that's what he was pushing against. That was, this, that was the whole idea of, now there was a lot more to it. There, were, there was a lot to the Reformation and, and the things that, that he felt needed to be changed. But that's the whole, that was the main purpose, is that they were trying to hold church tradition and authority equivalent to Scripture. And that is a scary thing. That would be like if I made a rule here at Zion, I don't, I don't know, like no one under the age of six can come to church and saying, no, that's, like, that's on equal to Scripture, even though Scripture says love the little children. No, no, no. Church tradition says it's, it's okay. That's scary. That's a scary thought. And so why this was so important is because I think it reminds us of what our job is, our role as the church, that, that our willingness to constantly be reformed, to make changes, to uh, evaluate where we're at. And I think this is very fitting uh, to the Passport to Glacia series that we're actually in. Uh, listening to Jennifer last week, it, it just seemed like the sermon was a natural, it was going to be a natural continuation of what, what they were talking about in the previous weeks. You know, this idea of uh, how, so, how easy it is to get off track, how easy it is for the church to sway, how easy it is to uh, lose focus. 
And so anyway, there were five things, five solas, uh, and so that's Latin, but there's five solas that kind of separated uh, reformers of the day from, from the church, okay? So these five things were the teachings that they tried to remind the church of the time about, okay? So here's what they are. I'm going to try to do the Latin, but I do not speak it. Uh, I, have not <laughs> I have not learned it, but here we go. We're going to give this a try. Okay, so it's sola scriptura, which is scripture alone, solus Christus, which is Christ alone, sola fide, which is faith alone, sola gratia, which is grace alone, and sola de gloria, which is the glory of God alone. So putting it in modern terms, scripture plus nothing, Christ plus nothing, faith plus nothing, grace plus nothing, glory to God plus nothing. So this summer, when I used that term, Jesus plus nothing, to me, it was just an easier way of this whole essence. What the, what the whole Reformation was all about is that reminder that there's nothing we have to do to, to add to the, the Jesus story. And when, even though there were five, all of that can be boiled into the idea of God and Jesus. And so I just think it's so timely that as we are reflecting on, on, on the Reformation, how close it is to what we're still experiencing today, that we still have to be reminded of these things, even though that was 500 years ago, like it's still stuff that we are battling with today as the church can easily be pulled off course. And so this is, this is the essence of the, of the Reformation. And like I said, Luther wasn't, starting to, wasn't trying to start his own denomination. He wasn't trying to leave the church. But he, compel, he was compelled to remind the church leaders that Christ is enough. That we do not need to add anything to Scripture. We don't need anything beyond Christ. We don't need something to go along with our faith to make it valuable. God's grace is enough on its own to redeem our brokenness. And it's not about our glory. It's not about our personal glory. It is all about the glory of God. And so here's why I'm excited to be both Christian and Lutheran. Being a follower of Christ is, is the most important thing. I want to be very clear. I am 100% on the same page that Jason preaches. We are 100% Christian. There is no being Lutheran and Christian. There is only being followers of Christ and Christ alone. And that's how Luther would have wanted it as well. And when I say I'm a follower of Christ, it means so much more than just believing. It's submitting your life to God's kingdom. It is submitting to his rule. It's submitting to his kingship. Experiencing that transforming love that I was talking about earlier, where we are saying, yes, please take a hold of my heart and change it. Throw out all the bad and make it into something good. However, I don't want us to lose our Lutheran lens either, because for me, it serves as a reminder that we cannot deviate from Scripture or from uh, Jesus' gospel. This is a must. The Christian tradition, rules, preferences, expectations can be a good thing, but only when they are done through the lens of Christ. And I believe it is our job as Christians to shape the church in a way that lives out the gospel. The world changes every single day, but the gospel doesn't. The word of God doesn't. And so this leads me to my final point. 
The Zion staff has made it our focus this year to push two major aspects, mission and community. We are wanting to be leaders in the mission field within our church, in our city, and around the world. And we want to do this through embracing relationships and building true community. And I believe Zion has the ability and resources to share the love of Jesus in this manner. I actually, I, don't, I believe it's more than that. I believe it is our calling right now to share the love of Jesus in this way. And I believe we have a lot of awesome, awesome opportunities to do that. One of them is, thank you guys, whoever, and I will do more thank yous in the future, but thank you for the overwhelming, and I say overwhelming because Megan and I weren't ready for this level of overwhelming response to Josiah's place. Like people, I was getting emails every day, can I help, can I help, can I give, can I give? And I'm like, I'm not ready, <laughs> like, I need a week. Uh, it was so overwhelming, so thank you guys so much for that. Uh, and we have more ways to, to do as well. We just, we just talked about Christmas by the lake. Like, we want to be a big part of this community. We want to be, we want to support this community the best we can. And we love the things that this community has to offer. And so we want to be a part of that. And we are inviting each and every one of you to join us. Sign up for one shift. Sign up for one block. And we did three shifts because we want you to participate in the community festivities as well. So if you do want any more information or if you want to sign up, you can contact Jennifer Colby, Kate Garner, myself, or the main office for more information. So we encourage you to do that because here's one of the chances we have to push this mission. And it's such an easy way to do it because everyone loves Christmas. Well, I don't know if everyone. I guess Scrooges don't. But if you love Christmas, uh, this is a great way to participate. But here's the big idea, and I want to leave you with this. In order to have a loving effect on the community, in order for Christmas by the Lake to work, in order for us to truly have an impact on the community around us, we need to take a minute and reflect on how Zion fits in with this idea of Jesus plus nothing. How are we doing as a church with the grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, God's glory alone? Is there anything that Zion, as a church, that needs to be changed? Are we in need of a modern reformation? And again, this isn't me saying that what we're doing is bad. What I'm asking is, does Zion reflect Jesus into the world? Do our actions, our attitudes, our programming, our behaviors, our ministries, do they share the gospel? And as I reflect on some of the ways that Zion does this, I think there's so many things that we do so well. And there's some things that we could definitely, we could definitely work on. And so this isn't the place where I'm going to go through the list of things that I think we need, to, that we need to talk about. Nor am I giving you guys permission to just bombard the church staff in the hallway of like, here's everything you're doing wrong. But what I am asking you to is to start that conversation. Start it with one another. Have, have those tough conversations is are there things that we need to be doing as a church that we are not getting in the way of the gospel? That when people walk through those doors, there's nothing we're doing that's preventing them from knowing who our king is. That there's nothing that's stopping them from experiencing the transforming love of Jesus. And then if you thought it was just on the church family to uh, do this, nope. What are we doing personally to live out the gospel as well? 
as Christians, we have a part to play. We must continue to shape the church. We should be always, we should always be reforming, to be growing, learning, and be informed in light of scripture. So how do your attitudes and behaviors and actions reflect Matthew 5.16 into the world? In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I think Jason mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Are we living a life worthy of the gospel? Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. This verse is a perfect example of what this message is about. We are called by scripture to be the church. We are called to conduct ourselves in a manner that is living out the gospel, that we live a life that shows that Jesus is king and that we are submitting to him, that we are that it's a daily process that we're living it out, our baptism every single day, and that we understand that we have been reborn. This is the gospel, and as a church, this is what we need to represent. And then the last part of that verse highlights the importance of the church. We are to unite in community, and this is, can only be done through healthy and loving relationship with each other. It has to be a community that is built as Christ is the foundation. And so I challenge us as a church today to be willing to change, to be reformed if necessary. In a few, in, a, in an hour, we're gonna watch a bunch of young people step up onto this stage and proclaim their faith in front of an entire group. I believe that this type of proclamation needs to be the heart of the church, that we are willing to take a stand, that Christians, that we understand that Christ is the foundation and we can build off that, we can find strength in that, and that we are not afraid of accountability, we are not afraid of change, we are not afraid to move forward with Christ. If we as a church or as Zion or as individuals, if we begin to fall off course, then we must lovingly walk with each other and steer us back on path. We have to let God direct our lives. And then we have to verify that path, that calling, that whatever it is, we have to verify that through scripture. And then we have to be prepared to live out that change, to live out a life live out the calling God has for us. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you. We submit this day to you. We submit this church to you. We submit all of our expectations and desires. We hand them over to you. Lord, bless this final worship. We love you. We praise you. 